Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate wickedly smart women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our very special guest, Dr. B. Thomas. Dr. B is one of the founders of Sage Logica Consulting with over five years experience in the cannabis industry. She's been instrumental in launching two of San Diego's highest rated and most profitable dispensaries and is also the former CEO of Hemp Logica, a CBD company. She's an Air Force veteran, former federal police officer, college professor, and recently crowned queen of the cannabis industry. She's an author of the book, Expect Fucking More, The Five Keys to Business Success, and renowned for her published study of success factors for African-American female entrepreneurs and for her work as a cannabis entrepreneur. And I had the great pleasure of making my connection with Dr. B in Clubhouse. So she is one of the very first people that came through that portal. And so I'm really excited to connect with you today. I'm looking forward to our time together. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this. I'm excited. Yeah, we're going to have a good time today, Dr. B. So I'm really curious about like, where is the entrepreneurial gene come from in you? And was this something that was part of your like childhood growing up? Or did you have a sudden awakening to all of a sudden being like, you know what, I need to go do my own thing? You know, that is such a good question. I had an awakening. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in a marriage that was failing. Everything around me was crumbling. And I felt like, you know, I need to do something different. I was working in the file room for the government, and I just felt like I needed to step outside of my current reality. I thought I was going to go and become a lawyer. I took the LSAT. That that didn't work out for me. And I said, well, what is it that I really want to do? Well, I really want to serve. I really want to serve. And how do I serve? Well, I really want to create my own thing and not work for someone else. So this entrepreneurial spirit rose up in a very dark place. Yeah. Same thing happened for me. (laughs) (laughs) Rose up in a very dark place. So what's really interesting about the entrepreneurial spirit rising up in a really dark place is often when we're in really dark places, we're really looking for even more security when we're in a really dark place and entrepreneurship, at least my journey and the journey I've watched many, many, many female fellow female entrepreneurs go on is actually an invitation to destabilize yourself pretty significantly from those old structures that we thought were serving. So I'd love to hear what happened for you when that spirit rose up in you. What was the story of that time? Well, it's very interesting. I remember 
thinking to myself, well, what do I want to do? Well, I want to serve people. Well, how do I want to serve people? Well, at the time I was thinking I wanted to create a spa and have this you know, place where people go and they receive treatments and healing sessions and all of that. But I was nowhere near having the resources to create a business like that. But when I started drawing out my plan, I just felt this surge of energy. And that let me know, you know what? It's easy for you to create services. This is something that flows naturally for you. And that's when I knew it was meant for me to be an entrepreneur. Even though I didn't take that route of pursuing that particular business, just the idea of me creating something just lit me on fire. And several years later, I actually created my first company. All right. Well, tell us about that. So my first company was a tea and coffee company. I was still working for the government. Again, I wanted to do my own thing, you know, working a nine to five, just working for someone else. And I felt like I was so trapped. I felt like I wasn't seen. I got tired of playing this game of trying to be promoted. And, you know, you have all these certificates and degrees and you're still not promoted. So out of this desperation, I created a tea and coffee company and it was an e-commerce tea and coffee company. And I remember it very much so because there was a time where I didn't have lights. Like my lights were turned off in my home. My electricity was turned off. I felt like I was at the bottom and I, here I am working a nine to five job and I can't afford to pay my electricity. And then I got this sign, this envelope in the mail. And it said, Hey, come to this free workshop. We're going to have free dinner for you. It's about e-commerce. I said, Oh my goodness. I took this as a sign from goddess. So I took my ass to the workshop. Plus it was free food. And I'm like, Hey, and the next thing, you know, I said, you know, let me do, let me start an e-commerce business because it had minimal overhead. I could still work for the government and I could get started in working for myself. So I started as a sidepreneur. Yeah, beautiful. So tell us about what happened with that business. Are you still in that business or did you evolve out of that business? And if you did evolve out, how did you know when it was time? Oh, honey, honey. (laughs) (laughs) I started my first company in 2007 and that was it, the tea and coffee company. And I learned so much. It was a drop shipping company. I learned a lot about drop shipping. Let me tell you, I did not make not one sale from that company because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. First, <laughs> first time running a business, knew nothing about SEO, search engine optimization. That's really key. So anyway, what that business helped me do was to at least develop the confidence that, hey, I could, I can run my own business. I can start something. I created a website. I created the brand. I did all of these, you know, miscellaneous pieces that you have to do to get your business started. You know, the legalization, the legitimization that you have to do. And I made not one sale, but at the same time, it really still ignited this thing in me. Like, I'm going to do this. Maybe it's not this company, but maybe it's another company. So from that, I ended up starting a dance workshop or a dance fitness training at my job. And I started doing that. I just started flowing in different areas and seeing how I could be a service to people and then how I can get paid for providing a service. So it was just something that kind of naturally happened. 
I went from selling tea and coffee to doing dance classes. And that actually worked out really well for me. And then I started other businesses after that. Yeah, beautiful. So one of the things that I want to just underscore for our listeners is there's a couple pieces in there that I think are important to highlight. One is you just decided, like you made the decision to do something rather than sit in your pity party pile, rather than sitting in the pity party pile of saying, oh my God, I'm working a nine to five job and I still don't even have enough money to make sure that my electricity bill is getting paid. And instead of sitting in that and staying in that space, you took action. You took action. The second thing that I'm hearing is that you actually converted the experience that you received. It's almost like that first business was like you had your training wheels on. So I remember when I went into my you know first business on my own, I also was in training wheels. And even though I had spent many years in the real estate industry and I knew how to sell real estate and I also knew how to sell Girl Scout cookies because I sold 763 boxes of Girl Scout cookies when I was nine, I didn't really have clarity on how to sell myself and my own services. So that was something that I needed to really get clear on and understand the value of what I had to offer. So I'd love to have you talk a little bit about what you have done over the years as you've evolved in your role as an entrepreneur to constantly be valuing your vision and moving into it, making those choices to take those risks and move in the direction of the vision? You know, very good questions. I feel like I've always been led by my intuition and I've let that be my guide in everything, you know, and also my passion. Like I started the tea and coffee company because I love tea and coffee. I started the dancing company because I love dancing. And then after that, I started a company for women, a holistic health company, because I love women. I think the key, one of the keys is, is to follow your passion and to follow your intuition and to not be afraid to go with the flow. You know, sometimes we think that this is going to be the business for us and we're going to make millions from it. But what may happen is that business may lead you to something else that you actually end up doing, that you need to do, that you need to do in order to be a service to humanity. So what I've allowed myself to do over the years as an entrepreneur is go with the flow. During the same time that I started my company in 2007, I was studying female entrepreneurs. I was studying what it took to make us successful. And so I got to this place where I knew what the keys were, yet I had to start applying them in my own life. Mm -hmm. So years later, what I found that helped me the most was really identifying why? Like, why am I an entrepreneur? Who do I want to serve? What type of impact I want to make? And I found that to be so helpful in my journey. Yeah. What I'm hearing there that I really want to uh, highlight is that you went from academic, like you were academically, you were learning, you were in that training mode where you were absorbing information. And this is a place where I see a lot of women entrepreneurs, uh, wannabes, we'll call them entrepreneur wannabes, who invest, who will invest, which is great. We love investing, but then they get stuck in, oh, I've just got to learn another thing. I've got to learn another thing. I've got to learn another thing. I've got to learn another thing. And they never take it to the court and put it into application. 
So was there a turning point for you where you said, okay, I'm full with the learning. I now have to take action. I now have to get it on the court. I now have to apply the learning that I'm doing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I felt like that came for me after I finished the doctoral program. My doctorate degree is in business. And after I studied this, these women, I said, you know what? It's time for me to apply the keys that they have given me. And it's time for me to take these training wheels off. My training wheels, I felt the government, I was still working full time for the government. I said, you know what? It's time for me to cut these strings and fly on my own. So I took this leap of faith and I said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to cut these purse strings, you know, from the government and I'm going to do this on my own. And I feel like just epiphany of realizing that I could do it after talking to these women. That's what gave me the courage to take the training wheels off, so to speak, Mm. and to start applying what I had been learning over the years. Beautiful. I love it. So we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to let everyone know where you can find out more about Dr. B. But right now, Wickedly Smart Women, we could use your help. If you are enjoying this show and want us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd also like to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. And we do encourage you to go to wickedlysmartwomen.com and sign up for our mailing list because in the year ahead, we are in year two of the show. And just a few days ago on International Women's Day, we're recording uh, in March this, this episode, the show actually 15X'd in downloads in one day, International Women's Day. I was like, yeah, I don't know what just happened, but we'll take it. We'll receive that. And so part of our intention in the course of this second year of operation for Wickedly Smart Women is to build out a bigger community space on Facebook. So you want to go to our page and get yourself signed up there for special content and other opportunities that we'll be offering, including a fun store that's in process. So now we're talking to Dr. B, who's been in the e-commerce space. Uh, We'll just bring some of that good juju in the direction of the Wickedly Smart Women store. We do want to say a huge thank you to our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing, especially the people who showed up in that 15x download increase, which included also 10 brand new countries on our list of people who are downloading. So we want to shout out today to our listeners in Ethiopia, Togo, and the Czech Republic. Thank you for tuning in. And we are going to be right back with Dr. B. Thomas. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition, Women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your wealthy life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. 
And we are back with Dr. B. I want to let everyone know where you can find out more about her, including where you can find out about her book, her amazing book. Uh, you go to expectmoreformula.com, expectmoreformula.com. We will have that for you in the show notes. And when you get there, there's some educational materials. You'll find out where you can get the book. And you'll also find out a little bit about her role in the cannabis industry. So let's talk a little bit about what got you to writing the book, Dr. B, and also the work in the cannabis industry? At what point did that come in? Especially interestingly enough, because you were a former federal police officer. And so that whole industry has been morphing and there's been a lot of kind of confusion. I remember in the early years of the CBD industry thinking, okay, what am I telling my kid who I'm supposed to be saying, say no to drugs to. And, and in some states it's legal and in other states it's not legal. And in the federal government, it's not legal. And CBD is not the same as marijuana. And, and like, there's a lot of, there's, there's been a lot of confusion for a lot of people. So I'd love to have you speak a little bit about what inspired you to get into CBD and expecting more, you know, where that came from too. So the book comes from, my dissertation. It's really like me presenting my dissertation in a way that is digestible to the average Joe. And so including the statistics in there, I felt like it was really important to talk about African-American women business owners and their success and how they become successful. You know, I really have this message to send to share with the world about why small business owners are important in the first place. So I rewrote this from this passion of, okay, I've been in business since 2007. Now I'm in the cannabis space. I've had my ass handed to me many times over and over again. I finally figured out this drop shipping thing. Now I'm, I was drop shipping CBD and doing quite well. Then I went from drop shipping CBD to creating my own CBD brand. But backing up the choo-choo train, I had no intentions on getting into the cannabis space. I was minding my own business. <laughs> At the time, I was a college professor. I had my own company, which was a holistic health company for women. My significant other at the time was in the cannabis space and asked me to come in the space because the industry was experiencing a shift. They were going from, you know, kind of like they were legitimizing the industry. Now people were taking cannabis as medicine versus, you know, just to get high. So lots of people were, were coming into that space for that reason. So I decided to bring my business acumen to the cannabis space. And I literally started in the space by trimming leaves. So I went from trimming cannabis leaves with a grow because I entered into the space and I had a grow. And then I went from that to uh, running deliveries to starting dispensaries. I launched San Diego's number one dispensary. It's still number one today. Launched it in 2015. I was one of the founding managers. And then from that, I said, you know what? I still didn't feel completely satisfied because I felt like I was still kind of working for someone else. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to break away. I saw CBD was doing wonderful things. People were really starting to learn about CBD. There's many cannabinoids in the plant. So I said, okay, I'm going to start a CBD company. Started a C CBD company, started with drop shipping. And I said, hey, drop shipping is great, but I think I need to create a brand. Then I created a CBD brand called Hemp Logica. Brand was very successful. And within six months, I had offers to buy out that company. 
So that's where I started. Yeah, girl, we <laughs> love that. Offers to buy out that company. This is a woman who knows what she's doing and how to create value. You know, you've done so many different creations and I'm very similar. My journey has been like, oh, we're doing this. Oh, now we're doing this. Oh, now we're doing this. It's definitely been flow and intuition, but there's also been what I like to call fluid structure, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And I like to use the analogy of the cell wall, right? Like the wall of a cell is permeable to the things that are going to nourish it. And it's also kind of flexible. It's repulsive to the things that are not going to serve it. So I want to hear about how you navigate channeling all of your creativity and what you do to give yourself some fluid structure while you're flowing. Yeah, wonderful. You know, I found out that there was a name for what, you know, I I do. I think it's called like serial entrepreneur. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly right. (laughs) I said, oh, yeah, that's me. But at the same time, you know, you do want to have that structure. So I found my sweet spot actually in writing, you know, and and being able to write books and then also writing courses because I took my academic resources that I have and creating curriculum and all of that. And I started using that for my own business. So then I created a CBD course that helps people launch their CBD brand. And then I created another course to help African-American women discover the five keys to business success. So I am able to flow at the same time. I provide structure for myself by channeling my sweet spot, which is writing. Beautiful. I love it. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us the five factors to be willing to do that in the time that we have? Yeah, I would love to tell you the five factors of business success. So, first, and, and my guess is this is not just for African-American women, but if there's anything specific to African-American women, we'd like to underscore that when you're doing this, okay? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So just running down the five keys really quick. First key is mindset, okay? Mm-hmm. Mindset is important for business owners. It's important for all business owners. You have to have the right mindset in order to create a successful company in the first place, okay? So I talked a lot about that. Number two would be networking. It's important for you to really establish a healthy network. It's important for all business owners. Yet specifically for African-American business owners, African-American women, they're least likely to join professional organizations, less likely to do that. And I think that could kind of be a hindrance to their success. So joining networks that can actually help you grow as a business is very important. Another thing that you want to have is your funding. Funding is very important, of course, for all business owners, yet for African-American women business owners, it's extremely important because oftentimes they're coming from single family households. And so their income is greatly reduced because of that. They're running a business by themselves. Another thing that's important in the five keys would be establishing, like developing your business. You know, you have to develop your business. If you don't know like who you want to serve and how you want to serve them, that's very important too. You know, it's interesting just to have this conversation about the keys because, you know, they're very important. But anyway, So let me just reiterate what you've done already. The first four of the five is number one is mindset. Number two is networking. And particularly for African-American women, the invitation is to 
get out of your comfort zone and get into some professional organizations where your business can be served that you wouldn't necessarily think about. The third that you mentioned was funding and specifically for African-American women, where oftentimes they are a single mother household. I, I heard you say single income household, but I'm guessing it's their single mother household as well. So they're probably doing a lot of things of trying to put food on the table in addition to parenting the, the children. So funding is really important and being clear about where that's coming from. Business development, who they're going to serve, why they're serving. So what is our fifth key? Education. Education. Education is very important. It's important for all entrepreneurs, yet it's extremely important for African-American women entrepreneurs because oftentimes they're not in positions of leadership. And I feel like when you're in a position of leadership, it helps you as a business owner because when you're a business, you're a leader for your business. So this piece, this educational piece is very important, even learning how to be a better leader so that you can effectively lead your company. Those are the five keys to business success. Beautiful. Well, I'm going to add a sixth bonus key, and that's knowing how to negotiate the sale of your company. (laughs) (laughs) I actually sold my Men on Purpose podcast, the brand, last year. And so selling and enrolling people in the vision and having a selling conversation, especially when somebody wants to buy your brand or company, that's like the leg up yoga move right there. Dr. B. So I'd love to have you close by talking about that experience. And if there was one piece of that experience that you felt was like the big golden nugget of going through the rite of passage, which it's a rite of passage to build a brand, develop a brand, grow a brand, and then sell a brand, like what would be the golden nugget or the pearl of wisdom from that experience? Number one, you have to have a brand. to have a brand. And I think a lot of times people start companies, they have a bunch of products, but they don't have a brand. They don't know their brand archetype. They don't know who they want to serve, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's important to package your business like a brand also to set your intentions. Before I had offers to buy my company within six months, I set my intention. I said, hey, I'm going to design a company that's going to sell. And so that's what I did. I think it's important to do that. And then also, of course, to put sales on the books, you have to have sales on the books (laughs) in order for people to be interested in buying your company. So really and truly, first of all, you have to start with a brand. Two, you have to start with intentions. Three, you want to have sales on the book. Yeah, I love it. Beautiful. Well, that is the end. We are already at the end. It happens so quickly. What a beautiful conversation we've had today, Dr. B. I'm so glad we found each other on Clubhouse. I feel like you've brought so much value to our listeners. And uh, listeners, we do love feedback. Please let us know what you think of today's show by calling into our listener line. Uh, We'll have that for you in the show notes, or you can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open and remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list 
to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.